0: Thanks to Tomo Fallows, as always, for our special Bond themed intro there. That was excellent. Thank you, Tomo.
1: Wow. That was great. And
0: thanks to you, listener, for joining us for another of our incredibly popular James Bond Diminishing Returns episodes.
2: Yes, we move. We move swiftly on. <laughs> we were we were going to do this about four months ago when the film came when the new film came out, but uh, no time to die. Yes, it's not. It's not. I mean, what's so as we as we record this in in March twenty twenty one, Calvin. What's the current lie as to when this next <laughs> film will be coming out? Uh, it's currently scheduled for um,
1: October first is its release date here in the UK with previews on September thirtieth, which, as far as I'm concerned, means it's as good as out on september 30th but um yeah so it's out then here and then it trickles out through some european places throughout the next week and then like america and globally from the 8th of october and you know what it might actually work this time it might actually get
0: released (laughs) just like covid yes (laughs) it's just gonna (laughs) dribble its
2: way around the world
0: yes if you are joining us um a new, having not listened to these, because you know, um, I am Sol. Nice to meet you. Uh, that voice you heard there, that isn't Calvin, is Alan. And Hello. the voice that is Calvin is our guest today, Calvin thanks for Hello. joining us Calvin
1: oh I'm always thrilled to be here for Bond particularly because we're talking about Casino Royale which has been, I keep giving myself benchmarks throughout this entire discussion, it's like okay well the guys don't like Connery all that much but maybe we'll get on to Roger <laughs> Moore and they'll really like it and then we get about three films in and I'm like oh they're really not gelling with this, maybe they'll like Pierce Brosnan, oh no they've not liked GoldenEye this is a, this is a lost cause, so now finally we're on to something that you might actually like and that makes me very <laughs> excited.
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, of course we as you say we're doing this because um No Time to Die was due to be out this this week. Uh it's been moved but we thought well we'll do a little consolation prize for the Bond fans. We'll just kind of do a Bond episode here which is what we've done the last two or three times. <laughs> no Time to Die <laughs> had <have> a <it>, really it. <laughs> finally going to see
2: Daniel Craig in action. Jumping across buildings, karate chopping people, (laughs) fighting in really close-up, fast-edited things. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me and you.
0: (laughs) 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 Uh, April Fool's dickhead! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you, listening, you fucking idiot! Oh my... (laughs) What you thought we were doing? Casino Royale with Daniel Craig? Oh, <laughs> uh, heads <laughs> We're doing the '60s one instead. Ah, April Fools, everyone! April we are Fools. Doing
2: Casino Royale from 19. 19- I mean, uh, you so fucking I think-
0: bollocks! You so, bollocks! I, listening I to think you, y- you, listen you to haven't.
2: Even quite engaged with the sort of what? fun prank nature of this, rather than from the <laughs> a- aggressive bullying nature. Yeah, of the it.
0: fucking fools, mate. Clues in <laughs> the name. They're an April Fool. They listened to this and they thought Daniel Craig, Casino Royale. Oh yeah, first of April coming up because uh, No Time to Die. Yeah, it's also April Fool's Day. You fucking idiot. Oh you fucking did you? <laughs> wow. You listening? You are our bitch. <laughs> come back next week for uh, the actual <laughs> casino royale it, it's actually it's actually a really nice uh, fun bond celebration here because you you would have just had casino royale with daniel craig this week and then you know however many months until we get around to quantum of solace <laughs> instead you've got back-to-back bonds we've got uh Ooh. the spoof casino royale this week and then our next episode's going to be the real Daniel Craig Casino Royale. So, hello. Yes, our plan was to release the real Casino Royale episode next week. Uh, Things have changed a little bit, so you're going to have to wait a tiny bit longer. Next week, we have a really exciting episode with one of our most exciting guests to date do come back for that, and that marks the start of the show being fortnightly, so the following episode after that is going to be our our annual Oscars episode, and so you're going to have to come back on the 3rd of May for the next Casino Royale episode, which is good, you know, we're, we're giving you things to look forward to while you wait for No Time to Die. So we're talking about Casino Royale which was released
1: in 1967. Um back when Sean Connery was James Bond. Now guys just before we you get into talking idiot. you <laughs>
0: thought it was Daniel Craig from 2006. <laughs> <laughs> you did, stupid idiot! Did we ever have a discussion
1: about potentially covering this like way back when? Like, yeah.
0: Oh god, we ah. it, yeah, we definitely, we definitely did. I, I think we had it. We considered doing them in not, like a proper
2: chronological order and then throwing in that other Connery one.
0: Yeah, never say never again. Never say it again. Is that
2: what it's called? Never say never again.
0: I didn't think we'd have much to talk about. I thought we were just going to go. Oh, what a stupid dumb movie almost as dumb as our listeners who fell for this prank you idiots (laughs) um but uh i actually have loads to say about this film it it was so much more of an interesting relic than i was expecting like obviously i i've never seen this before i i went into it you know knowing there was this kind of weird spoof bond movie made in the 60s i i kind of thought it was a cash-in based on someone having the rights to a to the book Casino Royale or something, <laughs> trying to cash in on Bond's popularity. But, You're not but wrong. Watching, it, watching it, it's just, it's so weird. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll
2: be honest with you. I, I, I sort of tuned out about three minutes in um, <laughs> because I was just like, it, it was so awful. I, I, My attention was lost immediately. And I really struggled to get through it and really kind of felt faintly depressed afterwards. It was very... <laughs> um,
0: so just like any other Bond film, then no. <laughs> it was
2: worse than any other Bond film. I'll, I'll, I'll let me put that out right out there now.
0: This is my Ooh. nutshell review, though. Um, genuinely, and I'm not just saying this to be difficult. Genuinely, for long stretches of time, to me, this film was indistinguishable from an actual James Bond film of this era. Oh, for God's sake! Of course, there are bits where Woody Allen shows up and Orson Welles shows up, and it gets a bit silly, but. You know, for example, um, I wrote down a quote, actually. Let me just pull it up. There's a scene where uh, James Bond sees a woman and she says, I miss good thighs. And he says, I can see that. Now, that that's just James Bond. That isn't a scene. That is
2: very Bond. Though. I'll give you that one, yeah.
0: That isn't, like, a clever parody. Mm-hmm. That's just James Bond. That is indistinguishable from an actual 1960s James Bond film. Well, I believe you <laughs> are referring to a
1: Peter Sellers scene there, and we will get into... Because so, I, I I think the behind-the-scenes history of this thing is even more fascinating than, uh, than what is actually on screen. Um, but we will get into that and sort of talk a bit about how... E- even the people behind the scenes and on the screen were in dispute about how exactly this film uh, was mm. going to work. Peter Sellers very much wanted to just be James Bond and he just didn't want to do a comedy part and he just wanted to be a suave secret agent, um, which did not gel with what a lot of the people around him thought they were making. So uh, yeah, you do have moments like that.
0: I mean, to be honest, the only reason I think this is worse than most James Bond films is that they haven't trimmed the edit a bit. Like the pacing isn't quite right, but you know it, mm. in terms of on, on a scene by scene basis i I prefer stuff in this to uh a lot of the James Bond films I've seen.
2: hmm uh, I don't know about that i mean it's it's more akin to Austin Powers than uh, James Bond really, but
0: well th- all right, should we get into that right away? I was blown away at how similar to Austin Powers this is to the point that I genuinely think Mike Myers might have accidentally watched this film thinking it was a real James Bond movie, not knowing it was a spoof. and then when he when he wrote international man of mystery he was actually making a spoof of this casino royale film you know thinking it was supposed to be serious because because austin powers is not an impression of any james bond we've ever seen but he does seem to be an impression of peter sellers as james bond Hmm. Do you not think he's he's so much more like Peter Sellers? And and beyond that, the the guy who plays Q or whatever the character is in this film is he's like a stone's throw away from Michael York. It's hmm. like they went to Michael York and he said no, and then they went to this guy, <laughs> who was his you know stunt double or something. Yes, it's Mr. Bond, isn't it? Uh, Yes, yes. if you'll be good enough to sign here, sir. If it's yes, not sir. for me. It's for the Official Secrets Act you really do stock everything at harrods don't you oh i shouldn't pay too much attention to what you see going on here it's all basic stuff ah. it's out of date by the january sales hello exposition austin let me bring you up to
2: speed dr evil has hijacked a nuclear warhead from kreplakistan only two things scare me and one is nuclear war what's the other excuse me what's the other thing that scares you carnies it's obvious mike myers has seen this film but You know, um, and I bet Mike Myers is a big Peter Sellers fan because that seems like (laughs) right up his alley. But Baccarat does the music. Well, it's also like if you're going to do a pastiche of Bond, then this is where you go, I suppose. And it's just the same kind of route. Mm. Um, But yeah, it is very uh, similar to Austin Powers.
0: But like I say, it's it's like Austin Powers' touchstone for most of the Bond elements is... Based on this. Well, it's like when I was younger and my touchstones for the James Bond franchise came from Austin Powers. And if I tried to write a Bond spoof in my teens, it would have been like, what what if I kind of rip off Austin Powers? Not rip it off, but what if I trace back what I assume James Bond is from Austin Powers? I don't know, it just baffled me that it was so... You know, and we won't get into it too much, because I'm sure we'll cover Austin Powers properly one day. But obviously I think Austin Powers does a much better job than this film.
2: Just as a sort of general overview, my thoughts were this is awful, obviously it's terrible, nothing's working. <laughs> but it really feels like they're trying and like the the sets are very spectacular in a lot of ways. Mm. It's it oh, feels yeah, yeah. like there's been some money put into this. Oof. This isn't just a cheap knockoff. Mm. Um it doesn't feel like that anyway. And like, you know, the cast are theoretically
0: solid cast yeah yeah yeah. it's a much better cast than you get in any james bond film uh pre daniel craig anyway it's certainly the ones i've seen um at least insofar as i like recognized actors in it it wasn't just made up of actors who are only famous you know like random europeans who can't speak english who've been plucked out of obscurity and dubbed over um who are now only famous because they were in a james bond film
2: hmm So, Calvin, you better start us off. What's the backstory? How did this even get to be made in the first place? (laughs) Well, it all goes back to
1: uh, in the mid-50s, I think, before Mr. Broccoli and um, his business partner, Harry Saltzman, came in and um, took up the Bond rights from Ian Fleming to make their movie series. Fleming had already sold the film rights to Casino Royale specifically, Um, to a Mr. Gregory Ratoff, who is an actor-producer. He was in uh, All About Eve, actually. He was one of the characters in that. Uh, And and had quite a a solid career, but he bought the rights and was trying to get a film uh, off the ground about it, but he couldn't quite make it work. Um, But then... He died, and the rights to the film ended up with his widow, who knew a man called Charles K Feldman, who uh, was (sighs) sort of a an an agent producer type. Uh, He produced uh, the film What's New Pussycat prior to this um, with Woody Allen and Peter Sellers and Ursula Andrews, and and Peter O'Toole. Yep. Uh, So he bought the rights from her and then was trying to get something off the ground with um, Cubby Broccoli and and the official uh, channels, but they weren't having any of it, they just kind of wanted to take complete creative control and... uh, bickering over money and all that kind of stuff. So Feldman eventually decided that he was going to make his own Bond film and then he tried to poach away Sean Connery, but he Sean Connery wanted a million dollars and he wasn't going to give him that, so he just ended up deciding that he was going to make a spoof because he'd made a lot of comedies and What's New Pussycat had gone down well for him. So, uh called up a load of favours from that film to uh, get this one off the ground. Uh, but the production history was, we'll talk about it as we go through the individual scenes, um, the story, but uh, yeah. I mean, did you notice how many directors were credited on the front of this film in the credits? Yeah. Five!
0: <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it, how up until a certain point, it seems like people had to, or felt they had to officially sanction their spoof movies. You know, the way Airplane... Is a uh the res- you know airplanes a legitimate remake of whatever that film was that they're spoofing? They bought the rights to this obscure movie about an airplane disaster and just remade it with jokes in it. And mm. it, it's sort of that same thing here, where it's like you know you could have just made a James Bond parody without buying the rights to a James Bond book. I suppose if you wanted to actually call them James Bond, yeah, you just call him like Steve Pond or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: but you wouldn't have been able to call it Casino Royale, and you wouldn't have been able to have characters called James Bond, and I think that's the difference. You
0: know, what I'd call it though. I I'd call it Casino Royal. I'd call it <laughs> Casino with cheese.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so uh, just to give us a bit of history here, Calvin, what what is the sort of nineteen sixties era history with people trying to rip off Bond or, or Bond becoming this huge hit? Like, what was the Ooh. what was the legacy of like that? What was the knock
0: on of that? What was uh? What was Operation Kid Brother? Does that even fit into this at all?
1: <laughs> oh, that was actually around about this time, you know. So yeah. yeah, I mean, this was like the peak of the spy craze of the '60s. Really, Thunderball was the highest-grossing Bond film uh, up until Moonraker. I think, unadjusted for inflation, it made an awful lot of money. And at this point, we had—is
0: is that the is that the previous Bond film before this one?
1: Yes, yes. This was released okay. just a few months before you only live twice, and yeah. Man from Uncle had come out and was on TV. There were an awful lot of knockouts. I think Get Smart might have been on TV at this point, mm. or if not, it was the Avengers. Uh, oh, yep, that'll have been that'll have been on. Uh, The Saints, yeah, yeah, The Saints, 1963 or 64, I think that launched. Um, So yeah, this is very much in the the spies are just the in thing and everyone's looking for a bit of a cash in. And I guess if you actually have the rights to one of the books, then that's going to do you a lot of favors. And this film did actually Mm -hmm. make money. It cost an awful lot of money, uh, but it did make. And I do wonder how much of that was because people were just sort of fooled into thinking, it was uh, an official thing, much like I was when I bought the VHS when I was about nine, ten years you old. You idiot! You fucking idiot! <laughs> oh, You're oh. as stupid
0: as our Very listeners, central. Calvin. You yes. idiot. Yes,
1: yes.
0: <laughs> I wonder if we'll actually. I wonder if we'll actually lose any int- uh, any listeners because I I'm just insulting them so heavily. Do you think I'll actually <laughs> I, really I'd stop listening if I do? You. Do you think I'll actually really like strike a nerve with someone and? They'll just be in a bad mood and that'll be enough to push them over the edge.
1: <laughs> well, if they're not already in a bad enough mood that we're not doing the film that people <laughs> like.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, uh,
0: come on, it's an, it's an excellent April Fool's joke. We oh, had yes, you. Yes. You <laughs> thought we were doing it to coincide with No Time to Die, and we were. Yeah. But-, but it's also April Fool's Day. The, the stars aligned you were fooled.
1: But you know what? You guys have actually gone beyond what an awful lot of Bond fans do because an awful lot of really diehard Bond fans, I know of quite, I've known a couple actually who you know either hadn't seen this film when i met them and they only really? saw it later but that was after years of being mm. bond fans like a lot of people just kind of are just completely disinterested i suppose if you're not interested in the history of film and that kind of thing as as obviously we are i think it is such an interesting relic if not an entertainment piece in itself but um yeah
0: i guess it's like how i love the marvel cinematic universe but i've never watched Electra, the uh daredevil spin-off <laughs> that Fox made in like 2005 or whenever it was. I have I no so, interest yeah. in watching Electra. I guess it's the same thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never watched the Fargo TV series, even though Fargo oh, is one wow. of my favourite films. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when um, Corey Feldman or whoever it was, got the, the book um, <laughs> how did he raise the money? Did he just like... Go around the usual sort of places. Go, look, got the rights to the book, give us 100 grand.
1: I believe so. By all accounts, and this is going from you know, interviews and behind the scenes stuff and commentaries and the like, uh, Charles K. Feldman was, he was a, your typical Hollywood agent, sort of like what your impersonation of Cubby Broccoli is. <laughs> uh, like, that was him in just real life, and everything was whining and dining and friends and parties. And he, uh, from, what I, from what I gather, not much of an artistic sensibility and not much in the way of, you know, he, he was very much someone who would bring in writers and directors to mm. concoct something but then impose terrible uh, limitations on them or whatever um, or put people together who really... Listen kid
2: I, the last scene I want a giant spider spider's the <laughs> most dangerous predator in the animal kingdom
0: <laughs> that, that, that is interesting because you know one of my biggest takeaways really watching this film is that I, I felt like it was striving to feature far more artistry uh, maybe that's not the right word um, but you know um it felt like it was trying to be less of a commercial product and more of an artistic you know um expression from whoever was making it than any james bond film i've seen like there's far more care seemingly gone into some of the the cinematography and there's these big long musical sequences where things get really trippy and strange and you know it's not to say that
2: extremely generous assessment of this film
0: well i was gonna say it's not to say that the sequences work or that it's you know makes for a good film but i i felt like it was doing more interesting things uh which you wouldn't be doing if you were just trying to make a, a cash grab you know rip off
2: yeah i know what you mean i think i think you're right in a way that there may be an artistic eye behind all this but it's an artistic eye that is fueled by you know 1960s era hallucinogenic drugs yeah
0: and it's also I, one director working with four other directors who have different visions from the sounds of it nope, so it's, nope, know, not no no exactly no a...
1: no one is working together <laughs> it's yeah uh... that's
0: it it doesn't form a cohesive whole i mean it, it is interesting hearing there were five directors because it it mm. felt like a completely different film every time we were introduced to a new james bond it was just mm. completely, like, you know, tonally and the style of humour and...
1: Well, that's exactly it. I mean, the, the, the it started out with Peter Sellers and Ursula and Orson Wells, and it was going to be a sort of a more of a... more closely to the book than it ended up being. It was going to be a spoof, but then Peter Sellers got into a falling out with... I think there were two di- different directors for his segments and then he just walked off the film and... Uh, refused to come back and as a salvage operation they brought in another director to film some stuff and then John Houston is one of the directors if you can believe it. He filmed all of the the opening stuff and then all of the stuff at the Scottish Castle. Well he's um, in isn't he? Yeah. And then there was a different director doing all of the Berlin stuff. And then there was another director, Val Guest, who was kind of brought in by the producer to make sense of it basically, and they wanted to credit <laughs> him stitch it together. They they wanted to they wanted to credit him as a coordinating director, but he refused that credit because he was aware of how much of a mess it was. So I think he gets additional scenes by
2: in the credits. He should have refused the credit altogether. <laughs> I, I see what you're saying there because because that the Peter Sellers storyline that does feel like the proper Bond storyline, mm. albeit it's just a bit silly. There's some gags, you know, Austin Wells is doing magic tricks and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But it, I mean of the horror stories you've heard out of hollywood over the years very rarely actually does that end up with someone walking off a set that they're contracted to be on (laughs) and sort of refusing to go back so it must have been something pretty bad must have happened Either that or they just didn't have a very good contract with him and they were doing it cash in hand and so he just walked away.
1: Well, uh, well you know what? Let, let's get into it later on. Should we start talking about some of the opening sequences first? Because... Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah, th- what we're seeing at the start of the film is, I believe, directed by John Houston. I mean, he's he's in it anyway. He's playing M. And they him and a bunch of officials go to see James Bond as played by Peter Sellers, who in this version of the film is our OG James Bond. Yeah. Uh, hmm.
2: 'Cause James Bond is a code name, as we all knew anyway.
1: Well, they they make it that later on, certainly. But this is sort of Peter Seller's existing um it, not peter sellers what's his name david, david Niven, that's david, the one yeah i was yes. gonna
0: say is, is this a different cut i watch yeah, david <laughs> yeah.
1: and they refer to like they, they make reference to a sean connery type character who's taking his name mm. and is womanizing and all that kind of stuff so they very much sort of say that they, no this is the real james bond even though he's he, he's not even really like the bond from the book it's a bit he's weird. nothing
0: like james bond as i know him he's he's extremely uncomfortable around women he's extremely uncomfortable with sexual advances Mm. um he seems pretty uptight to be honest Mm.
2: well uh, that that very early scene where you got all the old men in a car driving over to david niven's house
0: see at Mm. this point i that's when it just felt like a real james bond film to me well that that's Mm. it like this is
2: the first two minutes and this is where it lost me because I just thought, what what is this? It it felt like a surrealist piece of just these old men talking. I thought, and the dialogue there it felt like some sort of you know nineteen sixties beatnik freeform poetry. It, it didn't mean <laughs> anything. There was kind of no correlation between what they were saying to each other. It was just sort of random noises and sounds. And I looked at the thing. So it was two hours and ten minutes long, and just sort of like it's chewing, it's far, far too
0: long. Off. <laughs> but <laughs> so. I'll say right now, I mean, if this had been trimmed down to a sleek. 70 minutes, 80 minutes, it'd probably be one of my favourite Bond films that I've watched. <laughs> it's more lively and interesting. And, and you know, some of the gags worked for me. It, there, there were long stretches where it didn't feel like there were jokes in it. But, but that bit at the start where they all meet in the car, that felt like, right, this is something you'd get in a real James Bond movie, but they're being crowded by a load of sheep that they're not even acknowledging <laughs> who are kind of getting in the way of the car. And I found that funny. I don't know if that was supposed to be a joke, but...
2: Well, mm. do, do you know what the the extra thing on top of this is? Apart from this is a shit film, mm. I really hate this nineteen sixties Blake Edwards type of comedy. I, I don't like. You hate
0: spoof movies.
2: I, I I've never found Peter Sellers funny ever. Huh. Yeah, um, kind of. And yeah, that yeah, that, you know. what I'm terming as Blake Edwards style. I'm sure you know what I mean by that. But it's like I just don't find it funny at all and it's very 60s and at least it has a kind mm. of tone to it. Oh, but. I
1: completely agree with that. There's an awful lot of it's like I I feel like I think Monty Python came after this, but uh it feels of that similar like random, you know, just stuff yeah. ha- stuff happens randomly and that's funny because it's random and that kind of stuff.
0: Well, you see I I do find random shit happening funny depending on how it's handled. And a good example of that would be about an hour 40 into this film where we just have a close up of a stuffed tiger. <laughs> And its tongue is its tongue's just goodness. Do you know the shot I'm talking about? I know about?
1: exactly what you mean, where there's a a stuffed tiger and then all of a sudden it has a real tongue coming out in in one shot. <laughs>
0: it's just like randomly moving a tongue around, like it's not even licking its lips, it's just its tongues moving like forwards and backwards. And it you know, it's just this weird puppet tongue coming out of a stuffed tiger and I, I, maybe I wasn't paying attention, maybe I missed something but from what I could gather there's no relevance to anything happening in the film or that scene or you know, is there a reason why that happens? Is, is there nope. is that like a spy camera on the end of the tongue or something? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not that I know
1: of <laughs> um, uh, unless it was some kind of niche joke reference at the time um but yes uh so th- so this whole opening chunk of the film m is killed and bond is but then goes to his widow to spend time at the scottish castle and then he's uh, assassination attempt because they're actually all agents um and this is like a good chunk sort of like half an hour of the film maybe even more um did it lose you at any point? Because it's one of my least favourite chunks of the film, all that stuff in the castle. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, it lost it me before
0: did. they even got there. But, yeah. <laughs> it did. but And and genuinely, I'm not just saying this to be snarky, and I know I keep hitting this beat, but it didn't lose me any more than any other Sean Connery, James Bond film.
2: <laughs> God. I, I, this, yeah, the whole or castle section. Okay, so, or George me. Yeah, it sort of sets itself up to be a proper sex comedy, Mm. but then the whole conceit is that the main character is scared of sex or doesn't like sex or whatever. So, I mean, I I couldn't I couldn't tell any of the women apart at all. I didn't <laughs> know when he was talking to the French Scottish woman, his daughter, or Money Penny. I had no idea.
0: There's a whole house of like there's a clan of redheads. <laughs> they would be the Scottish ones then. <laughs> James Bond, real James Bond never just went and there were like loads of redheads. Yeah, he mixes it up. He likes, it's like yeah, a Neapolitan ice cream, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but who in their right mind likes Neapolitan ice cream? You buy the Neapolitan ice cream, you eat the chocolate and the strawberry, and then you start with a big whack of shit vanilla. And, like, if it was nice, high-quality vanilla, that would be Yeah, right. I like a quality but, vanilla. But mm. it's not. It's always, like, soft scoop, you know, milk and sugar <laughs> frozen. It's not, like...
2: But that is very much what I expect from Bond Girls. Just cheap, <laughs> tacky... <laughs> So, Calvin, I I noticed Ursula Andres Well, I, I, I wouldn't recognise her if she walked up to me in the street, but I saw her name in the credits. I don't know which one she played. So, how many of the people in this film have been in proper Bond films?
1: Ooh. Um, well, uh, uh, Ursula Andress, um, uh, that might be it. I mean, Ronnie Corbett wasn't. Um, there might be some sort of the smaller um, parts. Uh...
0: When I saw Ronnie Corbett, I genuinely, it took me about a minute, Like it took me about five minutes to figure out who I was looking at, but I just, <laughs> for, the whole, for the whole time, I was like, it's obviously not one of the League of Gentlemen, because the ears <laughs> don't add up, but it's just got that Steve Pemberton, <laughs> Rhys Shearsmith, vibe about it, whatever they've done there. Yeah.
1: Sorry, um, I, I, I'm mistaken, obviously, because uh, Kronstein, uh, the character from, from Russia With Love, is in this, in the uh, Berlin segment. So is uh, Bert Quoke is that his, how you pronounce his surname, Alan? Bert Quoke. Bert Quoke. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, Bert Quoke. Well, yeah, yeah, I'll,
1: yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll tell, tell you
0: right now, it. Calvin, uh, you're missing someone as well. Um, I hate to school you on your specialist subject, but <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they're one of the redhead women um, I think possibly the one he plays his daughter,
1: Angela scholar Scol- uh, Scol- yeah, uh...
0: one of the women is definitely in a bond film, and she yes. plays one of the kind of women that are trying it on with him when he goes to like a ski lodge that's yes. full of women that are trying to shag him, yes, yes, majesty's Secret service, yes, yes, and i and I was wondering, because when I saw that, I thought, oh, that's a really similar dynamic to this. Have they? Are they taking aspects of another book here? Are they spoofing that just because it's like what Bond sort of is known for? Is that is that similarity just coincidental or is that because the books were kind of taking pieces from other books when they were turning them into films? Uh, it just felt very similar dynamic to kind of have him stuck with all these women in a house that all want to fuck him and he's going no, to try yeah. and resist them.
1: No, you're right. I That hadn't occurred to me before, but um, uh, Majesty's Secret Service, the book, wouldn't have been long out at this point. So it's, it's highly possible... Um, mm. Just, I just want to touch on, like, David Niven, um, <laughs> like, like what he's doing as Bond, because I don't think that the instinct is wrong. I think it's, I, we might have talked about this in other podcasts, it's it's hard to spoof the character of James Bond, and particularly at this time. You're
0: right, Lash. Just thought I'd pop by. See <laughs> how you're doing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> So go on, Calvin, you were saying it's hard to spoof Bond, go on.
1: It's hard to spoof Bond because when so much of it is so larger than life and ridiculous anyway and I guess that they're, they're doing that here because, by you know making Bond the antithesis of what we know Bond to be, like he's very skittish around women and all that kind of stuff which I don't think is a bad yeah. instinct, and I do like David Niven an awful lot, but uh, it, it, it's yeah, how do you feel, I guess is what I'm getting at
0: Well, I I think you I, I don't think it's right for Bond prime which is what we're setting him up as it's like surely that's the the characteristic you give to woody allen's bond who we're introduced to that surely that's like one of the fringe james bonds that we're going to be introduced to rather than Mm. it it just feels a bit weird that we've got this premise but then the original james bond as it were isn't kind of what we think of as being james bond It, it, it just feels weird to be doing something postmodern at that point in the film not postmodern mm. but you know deconstructive
2: yeah but you you're doing that in a spoof of something that's already established so that is the deconstruction isn't it that's is the whole point
0: mm. the fact that we're then introduced to about 10 other james bonds and one of them is just kind of james bond without any spin on it is weird Do you know what i mean that feels the wrong way round mm. Mm. I, I don't even know what the concept of
2: this film is, to be honest. <laughs> <Like>, it <laughs> never quite adds up. Yeah, but, um, yeah the, the idea is the original Bond, he's actually quite moral um, and do-goody, but now Bond has a reputation for being a Sean Connery type because it's a code name.
0: Mm. Uh, Calvin, I, I have a question. Mm. Which actor would you say to have portrayed James Bond is the most problematic Uh, Of the bunch, because obviously on one hand we've got Sean Connery, likes to hit women, uh, only with an open hand. He doesn't
2: doesn't like to hit women; he just does it when he has
0: to. (laughs) Um, Dressed up as a as a Japanese fisherman with uh, you know face paint and stuff on. Um, On the other hand, we've got Woody Allen, um, fucked his daughter, yeah, alleged (laughs) uh, sex pest. uh, Depending on how deep (laughs) you want to go with all that. Um, Now they're the two that spring to mind. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure there's some skeletons in uh, George Lazenby's closet <laughs> that we don't know about, but uh, yeah, who would you Timoth- say, Kevin? Timothy
2: Dalton, he once ran over a dog and then uh, reversed
0: over <laughs> to finish it <laughs> yeah, off. You, you can't just leave it in pain, you? you've got to put it out of its misery.
2: Well, that's why he's not been on the list so far, yeah, he's yeah. a good guy.
1: Uh, I, <laughs> on the list of credentials that you uh, laid out there, Sol, I think I would have to go with Woody Allen. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I, I yeah. Feel, yeah Who,
0: yes. um, you know... Is there it, no one else, though, that I'm missing? Because they're the two that come to mind, but, you know, is there uh, no one else, like, in this film, or uh, whoever that guy is who's, like, the, the official voice of James Bond in all the radio plays now <laughs> who was the villain in the pierce brosnan one is there anything with him uh, no he seems yeah. like he could be a bit dodgy maybe <laughs> <laughs> a, a late charge by peter sellers for the title of hairiest bond i wasn't expecting that <laughs> well, P- peter sellers is quite problematic isn't he wasn't he a bit of a dick with women a bit misogynistic yeah, behavior yeah I mean, you know, he's, he's kind of mild him. side compared to woody allen and uh, sean connery but you know he's definitely on that ranking isn't he mm. So um, this whole uh, opening, se- well, I call this opening
1: segment with David Niven. It goes on for about 45-50 minutes. Um, like this was all done after all the Peter Sellers stuff was shot, and it was intended as bookends. Um, they obviously went a bit further than just being bookends with these whole protracted sequences. But we do eventually get to Peter Sellers. Uh, so you guys, not not a fan of him? So I thought you're a, you're a Peter Sellers fan, aren't you? From Lady Killers and Pink Panther and all that.
0: I mean, I, I do like most of the Pink Panther films uh, quite a lot, but it's not for his performance particularly. It's it's more down to the, the writing, if you can believe that. <laughs> I, I don't, funnily enough. I, I kind of feel like you could put anyone in that film and they perform adequately well, that I would enjoy it to the same standard as uh, him. And I'm sure he was workshopping the gags on set. I'm sure some of that's down to him. But I mean yeah, I've never watched a Peter Sellers film and thought like, wow, this guy's amazing. And you know, I've seen this, I've seen all the Pink Panthers, I've seen uh Doctor Strangelove, hmm. as you say, Lady Killers, which I like, but I remember Alec Guinness in that film rather than uh Peter hmm. Sellers. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I and I, I never really warmed to him. He just he he gives off an air of being yeah. a bit of a dick. I'll which is probably all, Yeah, definitely, yeah. Probably right for James Bond. And you know, by all accounts he was a bit of a dick. Mm. Um, but I think he's one of those people where they just emanate that energy, you know. You just you can tell.
2: Okay, well, I. He also I, it also strikes me as someone a bit like Rowan Atkinson, who is like ruthless about how comedy is supposed to work yeah. and how it has to be done, <laughs> yeah. and then and takes it far too seriously. Yeah,
0: but then you know Rowan Atkinson, I will say, is a a pretty phenomenal comedic oh, yeah. performer. At, you know, doing very specifically what he does. So I'll give him some degree of a pass for it. Whereas uh, Peter Sellers. Yeah, I don't know. Well, on on
1: this film, he's not... Well, he's trying not to do much comedy. I don't know if he's just being goaded into it, like, on the day, or, he does. you know, they get him to do one sort of uh, big, outrageous take, and that's the one that they use, I don't know. But as something of a fan of him, I'm... I mean, I, I think my main problem with this film is that the whole thing is kind of constructed around this middle section with Peter Sellers because he walked off and they felt like they needed to salvage this. Um, For me, actually, I could take all of the Peter Sellers stuff out and I might have a better time with it if we just took out this, like, 30, 30, 40 minutes, whatever it is, and we just had it be David Niven and, um, and all the characters around him instead. I do love the Orson Welles scene when that comes in but uh, Peter Sellers I could yeah quite easily have a good enough time on this film without him but I just think that's interesting that the whole project is about salvaging Mm. these sequences and they're some of my least favourite in the thing I think
0: yeah, it's it's interesting how often that happened in his films. Um, there's mm. about five Pink Panther films that had to do the same thing because he was rude enough to leave them uh, by oh. dying. <laughs> <laughs> what a knob! Um, yeah, I mean, I I kind of agree with you. I, I I'd go so far as to take David Niven out of it as well because I don't really get anything <laughs> from his sequences. Just and then take Woody Allen out of it, <laughs> and then just throw it in the bin, and
2: nobody would ever <laughs> see it. <laughs>
0: But I mean, I, genuinely, I, I think if you gave me a cut that just focused on uh, what's her name? Is it Minat Mina Bond? What's her name? Oh, Matabond. Matabond. Lady Bond. Matabond, that's it. Matabond. Um, if if we just focused in on her and somehow left the awesome Wells bits in, mm. <laughs> I'd probably have a much better time with it. Yeah, I'd, I'd um, be alright with that. Hmm. I'll tell you what I did like. I did like the uh, taxi gag uh, in her sequences. <laughs>
1: What with Bernard Cribbins?
0: <laughs> yes, with Bernard Cribbins. She needs to get from London to Berlin, and she just hails a taxi. And he pulls up outside. Uh, what is it? The embassy, wherever it is in Berlin, and just sort of says like, "That'll be four hundred eighty-two pounds, please, ma'am." <laughs> but that was a solid gag, wasn't it? That that registered as a joke in a way that a lot of the film didn't. Yeah. Yeah, Well, it's
1: funny you bring up, um, Matara, Joanna Pettet, um, might be mispronouncing that, but a, a couple of her sequences are some of my favourites in the film that are completely non non tangential. Uh, that whole dance sequence when Bond first comes to her. I mean, and that just shows you what kind of money they're throwing at this. I mean, that is a very elaborate sequence that has nothing to
0: do with anything. But again, that is the sort of shit that I feel inspired Austin Powers far Mm, more than mm. any, like the aesthetic of Austin Powers and the fembots and the the musicality of Austin Powers. The fact that it does have a lot of, you know, songs and musical numbers and stuff and mm. that's you know, I, I keep going back to it, but I just couldn't believe how much of this film was in the DNA of Austin Powers. Mm. Far more I think than any actual James Bond film. Because mm. um, there's there's also that big musical montage at one point where we see Peter Sellers just kind of tripping out and there's money floating around, I think, with a Burt Bacharach song playing. It oh when, just, it felt like when he's dressing when up as Hitler. Pa- <laughs> Yeah. And it felt like when Austin Powers first comes to the, like, you know, modern day and he's kind of coming to terms with it and he's checking out the casinos and stuff. It it just, it was very odd. Burt Bacharach's on the roof of a bus.
1: That spinning circular bed is just. Taken from this, and yeah. it yeah, is in yeah. Austin Powers films. It's uh, yeah, I think he very definitely took an awful lot from this, and um, and did it mm-hmm. much better. I think Aust- all of the Austin Powers films are much better than this. Um, yeah, but saying that, my okay, my favorite sequence in the film, the only sequence that I genuinely really love and I I think is a, a good time is the whole uh Berlin sequence in this weird spy school mm. that uh uh Matter Bond has been yeah. sent to with yeah. uh, Ronnie Corbett and Anna Quayle as these bizarre characters. Um yeah, did you like that? It feels like it's got a real director behind it, like
2: making consistent choices throughout that like, you know, 10-15 yeah. minute chunk. I agree with you there, yeah. I don't know if it works <laughs> as a whole like as a chunk, maybe, but it's just you know, it's fitting in with something else that, you know, the rest of the film doesn't make any sense. But mm. I, I know what you mean. And it, yeah, the cinematography and the set design are yes. working together. The actors mm. are obviously working to a, a particular style that is working. I like the little exchange where... The woman goes, oh, well, we're going to the auction. And she's like, oh, what are they selling? What are you talking about selling? You said there was an auction. I know no, I didn't. <laughs> like that little exchange between them, would just it just worked. I think the performances made that work, even yeah. though it was totally pointless and stupid.
0: You no, know, I noticed here is um, the earliest instance I think I've ever seen of a cutaway gag. Mm. There, there's a bit where oh, <laughs> she says something to the effect of, you know, we... We teach kung fu self defense, and then they just cut away to a load of like ninjas going hu and then it just cuts back. And it was just like a—it's not funny. <laughs> There's no real need for it, but it's like, oh yeah, that's that's that language of uh, Family Guy right there. That's that kind of modern comedic sensibility, and I, I can't think of a film or anything to be honest from earlier than this that's done that.
1: Well, I think they do it earlier on in this film as well with the Woody Allen gag when uh, David Niven's referring to his nephew and then they cut to Woody Allen about, you know, in front of the firing squad about to be uh, assassinated.
0: Yeah, but I mean, that's that's a whole standalone little scene that they cut to. What, mm. I mean, what I'm talking about here is it's literally they cut away for about two seconds and cut back. It's like mm. a, it's a very specific rhythm of, you know, mm. cutaway sight gag rather than just, you know, it's a sort of non diegetic punchline, isn't it? Where you're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're
2: leaving the reality of this scene to just just yeah. to do a punchline. Yeah.
1: Well, they are yeah. technically supposed to have opened a door, and that's what they're seeing inside. Like uh, that's when she's giving her the tour of the uh, the spy mm. school.
2: Ah, um, uh, yeah. So you think it's an interesting filmic use of a cutaway? Actually, it's just badly edited because they didn't <laughs> have <had> a set. <laughs> see, what, see where? See where? That error makes sense. Been yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: Uh. Alan, you mentioned that whole sequence uh, about the casino, because that's another highlight for me, anyway, is Orson Welles in this. And yes. indeed, um, he just decided that he wanted to do some magic <laughs> in the film. Yeah. And so when Peter Sellers was off having a strop and someone was trying to <laughs> convince him to come out of his trailer, they would just film Orson Welles doing these <laughs> bits of magic and ended up in the film.
0: I've, I've heard you explained that to me before calvin going in so i knew to expect that when you told me that story i thought oh awesome wells like he he wasn't you know a magician at a point in his life in real life he can do magic tricks i thought they were filming him do actual magic tricks but what they all the tricks he does are clearly set up by the you know the production designers on the film they're obviously like props and things rather than (laughs) Well, I mean, pretty much all magic is props. I mean, what... what yeah. The bit where he levitates a table and then levitates a woman under a thing is obviously using camera tricks to make magic happen rather than Awesome Wells did it for everyone on stage. But set. a
2: lot of magic is that. A magician. The skill of a magician is presentation, really. I mean, yeah. obviously there is some practical skill with sleight of hand and stuff, yeah. but with those big things like making an elephant disappear and stuff, it's all <laughs> it's all done by, you know, stagehands behind the scenes. It's
0: Yeah, but not camera trickery it felt like an edit it felt like there's someone there and then we're going to stop the camera and then
2: well, yeah. the well you've clearly it. never seen chris angel do magic then because uh that's what he does
1: i mean this wasn't him just saying oh i'm bored let roll the camera i'll do something there was obviously some preparation involved but this was That'll be better though <laughs> I
0: mean, it, it just it didn't seem to be utilizing his magic skill set it just seemed to be like right let's have a load of Stagehands like below the shot with doves who chuck them up uh, at the right time. I don't know though. I think we'll put, it's it... we'll put a blue filter and a red filter over the camera. <laughs>
2: well, and... it's there though. When he pulls the handkerchief out and he's like, it's a very, he has got a very smooth touch there. to it. Yeah, he's obviously experienced, which is nice.
0: But he commands the scene. You know, that, that goes beyond doing magic. He's just the 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 best thing to watch in this film. He's. But
2: I'm I'm all for putting a camera on Orson Welles. Yeah. And then showing us that. Mm. Let's see what yeah, happens. Let's have
0: that for an hour. I'd much rather but, watch that. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. But it doesn't fit in with the film at all. Uh, I still don't know how Baccarat works. Bert Baccarat
0: yeah. is, the, is the composer. <laughs> yeah, Bert <laughs> Baccarat plays cards.
2: Hmm.
1: But it, it was um, it was mainly falling out with Orson Wells, or I'll rather just Peter Sellers getting in a bit of a strop about Orson Wells. that means that they shot most of their scenes separately. I think there's like one or two shots in there where they're both like quite clearly there because... Uh, Very evident in the edit that they're not together. <laughs> legend has it that Princess Margaret came to the set and Peter Sellers was making a big stink about like, oh well she knows me and she's my friend and all this kind of stuff. But she was actually like only interested in talking to Orson Wells, and so that pissed him
2: off and uh, meant that he left the set for a week. Imagine being on a set with Orson Welles and you're the petty one. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, and Orson Welles doesn't get up, I don't think, throughout the whole thing. I think he sat down permanently. <laughs> he, so. Yeah,
2: I noticed that because he stood up to elevate the woman um, oh, to did, make yes. her actually stand up. Because I was thinking up until that point, he's like, I wonder if this is like his legs actually don't work. Maybe it's like <laughs> a, an FDR kind of secret wheelchair
1: situation (laughs) and then he puts bond through this whole like torture thing which is just the editor going crazy with like filters basically uh i don't know what you make of that like where peter sellers is suddenly in a kilt and he's like marching outside like
2: how did that play to you well, it was all in his head, wasn't it? I think that's the idea. Just,
0: well, well
1: it, it's in his head, but then Vespa comes in and she's a part of the act and then she kills him in a very unconvincing way because they didn't have footage of Peter Sellers dying, so they just cobbled this together with what they have.
2: Oh, uh, is that was
1: supposed to be Peter Sellers
2: dying? Yes. I wondered where he went. And I thought, <laughs> well, they haven't wrapped that character up very well. But then mm. I thought, why would she kill him after she sort of killed everyone else and saved him? I thought she was rescuing him. hmm
1: no, no, it makes no point? sense. Nope, no, she's she's okay. she's a, she's a <laughs> double agent. It turns out.
2: I was I was going to ask. Actually, that was one of my questions. Like, what happened to the Peter Sellers bond? Well, like, because I couldn't figure out what his ending was. It just disappeared. Uh,
1: because like all of a sudden Orson Welles is killed. Peter Sellers is killed, and then that's that whole chunk of the film sort of done and dusted, and then they mm. just concoct this bizarre climax in which mata bond is kidnapped by a flying saucer and then they go to the villain's base and it's all just very surreal and crazy i forgot
2: yeah.
0: about the flying saucer
2: <laughs> because that <laughs> happens and then david devon goes yes it's a flying saucer don't worry about it and then i just forgot what was going on
0: but it's a real 1960s british <laughs> film flying saucer it looks like the smash aliens from <laughs> uh the old tv ads
1: oh it's like the daleks are going to come out of it like one of the peter
0: cushing <laughs> yeah like it's not a, it's not a good ufo that they've created it's the kind of thing that if i think someone in the in the adr uh when the ufo appears near the end i think someone says like it's just a commercial or something mm. um which is like yeah that is what you'd think if you saw that you wouldn't think oh there's evidence of alien life you'd think oh it's some sort of pr stunt <laughs> <laughs>
1: But just the money being spent on this, I mean, and again, to go back to the idea that, you know, these David Niven segments are supposed to be wraparounds, but the amount of money that they're spending, like, there's a bit coming up in Woody Allen's Lair where, just for the point of one gag, like, a choir like come up from beneath the uh, mm. the floor, mm. and it's this very elaborate set and prop, and you think, God, all of the hydraulics that must have gone into that, the planning for like yeah. this very throwaway gag, which I kind of like in theory. Like I love, you know, if, if it was yeah. funny, that'd be t- fantastic. But yeah, it's yeah, not. Yeah. Um, and same goes for this flying saucer and all of these very elaborate special yeah. effects.
0: I mean, I I will say I'd struggle to think of a film of this era that's you know. Significantly funnier than anything in this, <laughs> and I know Calvin. I know you like Laurel and Hardy, and you think they're funny. What by
1: nineteen sixty seven?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess I found the Marx Brothers funny. I don't know. I I just I don't think comedy had really figured out what the hell was going on until like the eighties. Really, I think it was just of of its time. I think they had to go through this kind of ramshackle. What the fuck are we doing kind of project to figure out how to make funny stuff. I think it was just it was a learning curve. So Casino got Royale Casino Royale to thank for Austin Powers.
1: Right, yes. This film stumbled <laughs> so Austin Powers could walk. Yeah. <laughs> I mean the ending's a mess. Woody Allen's revealed to be Doctor Noah, the main
2: villain. <laughs> Um, is that just because they couldn't use Doctor Noah?
1: I think so. I don't know if it's supposed to be some kind of Jewish gag, like Doctor
0: Noah. Oh, I, mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't quite work, does it? Because because Noah wasn't Jewish, was he? I mean, he was. Um, and, and th- th- there's this whole
1: knockabout sort of slapstick ending. Frankenstein's monster is here. Characters are literally. There's a bit where one of the characters, um, like liter- Frankenstein
0: Bond. <laughs> I thought we invented him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no. There's literally a bit where, like, David Niven walks into the casino with some characters, and I think it's like Money Penny and Matabond are just like, oh, well, we're off now, goodbye. And it's quite clear that the actors would just, either hadn't filmed the previous scenes that they shot or just couldn't be afforded for it or whatever, but it's all very messy. Um, and then, you know... Cowboys and Native Americans and seals and Ugh, all sorts come it's in pathetic, the- in it. It really yeah. is pathetic. Now, this was a real trope of comedies of uh, of the time and previously. Whereas, if you couldn't, I mean, even Doctor Strangelove, like the original ending for that, was a big uh, custard pie fight between everyone in the war room, and there was just, mm. I mean, that was how comedies ended. It's you just end with some big knockabout slapstick uh, fight. Um, unfortunately, they
2: didn't do that for strange love but they uh, they do it here i mean it's an ending worthy of this film really.
0: <laughs> well i mean th- that's kind of what i mean insofar as i i can't think of any other funny films from you know earlier than this and i i also can't think of any films that end in a custard pie fight so i guess i just Bugs-imilar. haven't watched them because they haven't you know persevered in the when was some like it hot zeitgeist? released
1: that seems like a film that you'd like Sol.
0: Does Some Like It Hot end in a custard pie? No,
1: oh, no, 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 sorry. I was just thinking about comedies. Yeah, just funny comedies.
0: I mean, I like Some Like It Hot, but it's not funny, is it? It's it's like a drama with a bit of wit behind it. A drama with a bit of wit. It's well, a comedy. you know, it's it's, it's got men dressed yeah, up as women. It's not How proper funny do you com- want it's... it to
2: be? That's that's comedy in the
0: fifties. It's a comedy insofar as it's not taking itself seriously, but it's not like it's not got actual jokes in it. It's not actually funny. It's it's not like. Of course, it has jokes. Yeah, not by modern standards. Well, not oh, all okay. right,
1: not by modern standards. But if your sort of classification of comedy is based on it's not like comedy that you would have had in twenty twenty, then <laughs> I, I mean, that's.
0: Anyone who sits there and sees a guy go, oh, we're not women, we're men. And then a guy goes, oh, well, nobody's perfect. And then bursts out laughing. <laughs> it's no Borat subsequent movie film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oscar Oscar nominated, multiple Oscar nominee of Borat subsequent movie film. I'm
1: pretty sure some like it got Oscar nominations. I
0: think it did, actually. I think it did, yeah. Yeah, best
1: yeah. director, best actor,
2: best screenplay.
0: But that, that works against its favour because the Oscars hate comedy.
2: Do you know who would be great in cinema and films? Orson Welles. Orson Welles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then Peter Sellers would try and do it and be shit because he can't do it and everyone would just go, why are you acting like a crap
0: comedy character? Stop doing that
2: Indian voice. We don't
0: like it. Oh, God, I forgot about that. that, You know what? I think Peter Sellers might be the most problematic Bond, (laughs) because as we know, Apu is now being cancelled. Doing that voice isn't allowed anymore, so that's a definitive, um, tangible thing we can point to.
2: That's his go-to thing.
0: That's his his bread and butter. So I think Peter Sellers is probably the most problematic Bond, because Woody Allen's still working. When's the last time (laughs) Peter Sellers made a film? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah exactly,
0: 1979 <laughs> <laughs> I mean it was well well after his death wasn't it His, his last film <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> but... <laughs> They are knocking out Pink Panther films with him in For about 10 years after he died yeah. <laughs> uh, Can I ask you a question
2: uh, Carlin yes. So D- David Niven in this is pretty old But is he as old as Roger Moore was old oh. When he did Bond is he That the is a very Bond? good
1: question let me have a look because Pete, well he's supposed to be older isn't he? He's supposed to be a sort of Well exactly. If he's Bond.
2: younger than Roger Moore and he's retired. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true, right? Dave David Niven will have been 57 when this film came out. So he'll have been as old in this as Roger Moore was in his last Bond film.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. 57. And yeah. how old will Daniel Craig be by the time No Time to Die? Could,
0: uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, who knows.
1: Did you have any more notes on this one Saul?
0: Um, I've written down that the Burt Bacharach theme tune at the front's terrible.
1: Oh, ri- uh, good lord. That's the the one thing that people seem to like about this film, the music. I'm not a, Really? I'm not a huge fan, but
0: I didn't I didn't mind the music overall, like the score. It didn't feel like Bond, it felt like Austin Powers, but um mm. the, I'm talking specifically about the opening theme which we're subjected to in a kind of crappy <laughs> prolonged Opening title scene sequence with all the actors' names popping up. Thought hmm. so it was a pretty, pretty bad theme tune.
2: I liked the bit over the end where it was like going, "What's the how's it go? Casino Royale, James Bond at the Casino Royale." <laughs> <At> <laughs> casino <laughs> Royale. I can't remember how it goes, but I was quite enjoying that when they were doing Yeah, the James Bond at the Casino. Yeah,
3: <laughs> Seven James Bond at Casino Royale. They came to save the world and win the girl at Casino Royale. Six of them went to a heavenly spot. The seventh one is going to a place where it's terribly hot. He's got a red head in his arm.
0: Um I made one more note. Nah so that taxi driver, his fare is four hundred eighty-two pounds, fifteen and nine pence. Yeah, and uh, and I looked that up, and that would be about eight thousand one hundred and thirty pounds and fifteen pence in today's money.
2: Ooh, makes sense.
0: Mm. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know why I
2: felt the need to. Yeah, find that's out, but...
1: interesting that
2: you felt the need to uh, <laughs> <laughs> to Google that. That's how you did that whilst the film was on, though, didn't you? Of course, I did, Alan. <laughs> <if> yeah, <you're laughs> just looking for something to do. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs>
0: i was just like well I, I thought that gag worked that was like a legitimate joke you might see in you know an airplane or a naked gun it felt like it worked as a joke um and then i thought like hmm is the joke that that's not very expensive or that it's like really expensive <laughs> and, uh, turns out that it's really expensive
2: yeah but that's probably how much it would cost to drive across
0: from london to berlin I can it cost you more than that i would
1: honest? have thought so yeah yeah I think John Cleese got a taxi across Europe uh, when that Iceland uh, volcano went off. Do you remember, Alan, when you got stuck in Amsterdam?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You've been to Amsterdam? Yeah.
3: Okay.
1: He went there for a film (laughs) thing. It wasn't uh, for for recreational purposes. Yeah, of course But We we got
2: trapped there in the volcano. Mm. And then John Cleese refused to give us a lift. Mm. (laughs) It's, it's a difficult thing to really make a, a good comparison on, though, isn't it? Because what is the buying power of that? Like, in the 1967, you could buy a house for 482, 13 oh. and 6. Whereas, like, now, you couldn't buy a house for 8 grand. So it's not it's not necessarily yeah, an equivalent yeah, yeah, sense, yeah, you know? Nah. True.
0: I, I think a taxi to London is, like, from Manchester would be about 200, 300 quid, something mm. like that. I think I had to book one once or twice when uh, working at the BBC. For did that include congestion uh, yeah. charge? Uh, probably not. You'd expect a good
2: tip though, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'm
0: surprised yeah. the
1: BBC let you book taxis.
0: It, it, it was oh god, you, yeah, taxis constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, That's
1: where our money goes,
0: is it? It's not. It's normally you know, it's normally to take them to the train station. Mm. Um, but that was kind of the nuclear option if, you know, a train got delayed and they had to be back somewhere or what have you. It's like, well, okay. You know, if
2: you, you want John Prescott or whatever for Question Time. You know, he insists <laughs> on having a thing.
0: A taxi from Hull. Well, you know, four, 400 quid on a taxi is pit, pittance in terms of TV uh, budgets, isn't it? And John Humphreys needs a sandwich
2: in the taxi the back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's Cray fish sort of and, yeah,
0: crayfish and lemon sandwich.
2: His <laughs> Seabrook crisps. I will. I, I wish I could have some sort of comparison between Seabrook crisps and other types of crisps. Oh, <gasps> oh, I'd ah, like well. to know what the best crisps are.
0: <laughs> well Alan, you'll you'll want to huh? uh you'll want to head over to our uh Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash dim returns where, where Calvin and I are going to be launching the Crispcast mm. <laughs> soon.
3: I can't <laughs> this wait. Is something
0: we've something we've been joking about for ages and similar to this film Casino Royale we're kind of doing a joke for real to the point that it it'll either sap all the life and fun out of the joke or it'll be even funnier because we're just doing it
1: we're going to start with a series on prawn cocktail crisps uh skips seabrooks walkers
0: yeah, I, b- I bought a tube of Pringles as well, just to shake things up. Prawn cocktail, prawn cocktail Pringles. Pringles. See how mm-hmm. they compare. Yeah. Fabulous. Are we doing Amazon it all Amazon in Amazon one,
1: Amazon. or are we gonna do individual installments?
0: I think I think we should do prawn cocktail as like a Ooh, like flavors. a pilot, like episode one, <laughs> and then when people demand demand, we do more. We can we can break out the big books, bacon. Do salt and vinegar. Don't <laughs> smoky, smoky bacon. bacon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do they do? Do they still do smoky bacon?
0: Yeah, 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 of course I do. Huh. It's
1: just, it's I. It's not one that I would go for.
0: McCoys call it Bacon Sizzler or something. Like oh, that. of course. Yeah.
1: God, I don't buy the uh, variety packs as such. I'm, I'm mainly a Watsits and Monster Munch man these days.
0: Ooh, Monster Munch, very good. Yeah, yeah. that's a
3: good choice.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Underrated, I'd say. Very I'd say. much yeah. so, yeah.
1: You just don't yeah, get yeah. much in the and packet. And Watsits,
0: you know what? Calvin, how do you feel about the uh, the new line of giant Watsits?
1: Oh, is that why they've gotten so big now? <laughs> 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 I was. Oh. You know, I've been wondering that because some of them come out looking like my giant whatsits without.
2: Realizing. You thought it was shrinking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I I like them. I think I much prefer a, a giant whatsit to a standard size whatsit. The, the, the wait, standard whatsits when you go when you go back to standard <laughs> whatsits now, Calvin, you'll think, bloody hell, they're like worms. They're tiny. <laughs> think, How did I ever eat things this small? <laughs> Before the yeah. giant Watsits came along, <laughs> guys, you don't give away this kind of gold. No, I was going to say yeah, it's no, a this preview a of, a of what you could get over on, <laughs> on Patreon. Uh, and on that note, actually, you know, if if you are a, a big James Bond fan, uh, head over to our Patreon because
1: to <laughs> hear uh, <laughs> people talk about films you love in a disparaging well, way. <laughs> I don't
0: think it'll quite be out yet at the time of this episode being released. I think it will probably be the next Diminisode released. Uh, but soon there will be a wonderful James Bond quiz game that the three of us played. Uh, one of my favourite Diminisodes of all time. We got very giddy and, and silly and enjoyed chatting about James Bond and its uh, actors and, and people involved. So, uh, yeah, there are Diminisodes beyond crisp talk. Mm. Okay. Casino Royale? Yes. Um, What's that name about? Is that the name of the casino? It, yes. Isn't it? Okay. Uh, All right, next question. <laughs> casino Royale. Oh, I um, like this quickfire round. <laughs> why Why do they call it Casino Royale? Why Like, why Royale? Because uh, it's trying to sound French? Uh, it's in
2: France, isn't it? Yes. Is it in
0: France? Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, why is, what's casino in French? Casino. Okay, so why isn't it Casino?
2: It probably is, but you know. Anglicized it for the sake of the audience. Yeah,
0: James Bond's not gonna do a French accent. He's just croc, monsieur. Please, (laughs) points at the board (laughs) (laughs) loudly to the picture. Un croissant. (laughs) (laughs) Give me un croissant. (laughs) Uh... Escargot (laughs) now. Ah, right.
1: I've looked it up. In French, it's. Oh no, sorry. No, I, I've, lo- I've looked up. It's actually a region in France called Royal
2: Le Leu. Royal Leu. Oh. that's of the of water. That's water. Oh, that's like the Royal Waters
0: Swan Princess.
2: It's like bath. That's water. Yeah. Well, it's plural of water. It'd be waters. Uh.
1: Oh yes, waters. waters. Yeah. yeah, Royal Waters. There we go.
0: Yeah, we're in the UK. We call that Thought Park, don't we? <laughs> before we
2: we round up with casino royale calvin what what was the fallout from all this
0: because you said it made a bit of money but yeah Mm. why is there not casino royale 2 how come this didn't launch a whole franchise
1: well it did make money um charles k feldman died not that long after uh, th- the film was released, I don't think. And after that, I'm not quite sure what happened to the rights, you know.
2: Um it went to his son, Corey. <laughs> that's but how he got into the business.
1: It seemingly went to... yeah. There people... must be some
2: connection between them. Come on.
1: <laughs> it seemingly went to... I mean, obviously, also around about that point, you have Kevin McClory and his rights to Thunderball, so you have these different entities, and maybe they just couldn't get it off the ground again plus the spy craze kind of died down after the 60s uh the next bond film young twice, yeah, the next bond film young live twice didn't perform as well as thunderball um and i do wonder but that's because
0: thunderball was so terrible that everyone was like <laughs> "Well, i'm not watching another one of them well
1: and you do have to wonder how much people- i mean
0: I know, I know we've not rated this one yet but when we get to our ratings you're going to see that i prefer this to thunderball oh for god's sake <laughs> thunderball's so shit
1: i know and i don't even like it but i would take that over this maybe yes no i would um uh but yeah so i guess the rights just ended up with people who didn't you have to uh, think about it <laughs> who didn't uh yeah exploit it and then eventually, obviously, the rights ended up with the regular Bond producers, and they could launch the uh, the sixth actor in the role with uh, with a proper adaptation of that source material. And it took them 40 years to sort that out. Yeah. Well, do you want to rate it, then? It's tough. I mean, I don't like putting numbers on Bond films at the best of times, ratings-wise. Um and even this is a bit tricky there are bits that I actually really like I love that whole segment mm. in but okay love is a bit strong I quite like that whole segment in Berlin where it's obviously doing Cabinet of Dr. Caligari kind of stuff and I think there, there, is some, there are some jokes in here that kind of work because they are so outrageous and the money is just on, on the screen all of these incredibly impressive sets um, the thing looks like it cost a fortune and all of these celebrities are just um, coming in and off for like a day's filming here and there um, it is a massive mess though and it's never something that I come to to just sit and watch to relax to it's impossible but as a historical artifact as like a piece of sort of like fascination with production history stories and all that kind of stuff I I get a lot out of it I like talking about it um, but I just don't like watching it I guess it's gonna have to be a 3 out of 10 from me um, just because the the stuff that I get out of it is few and far between, and I yeah I can't say I ever sit down and watch this for entertainment. So so there we mm. go.
2: Yeah, I I thought it was awful. It it's sort of a combination of a a type of comedy that I don't even like when it's supposedly good uh, and done badly, and the few little glimmers of hope like uh, some of the nice set design and stuff just isn't enough to pull me through at all. I it, it was not able to hold my interest. I kind of had. A sort of existential crisis after it is just like any film that makes me just think like what what's the point of life if this is what if this is what life is giving me what is the point um I consider that a negative emotion uh, I'm gonna give that a one out of ten
0: oh my goodness but you you have that motion from you know Lord of the Rings and Star Wars as well <laughs> I seem to remember you saying
2: yeah but at least they're well put together. <laughs>
0: Um, wow, well, I, I guess I'm overwhelmingly going to be the most positive of the three of us then. Um, I knew it was going to end up this way. I <laughs> just knew it. Well, don't get too ahead of yourself. Here. I mean, <laughs> this, I've got this ranked on my James Bond list here, my list of James Bond films that I, I maintain. Uh, it's my 18th favourite James Bond film.
2: Out of how many that we've seen so far? Of,
0: uh, what, 20, 21, something This will like be the that. 21st, yeah. Yeah, so, um, I've got 22 on here because I think I must have that Never Say Never Again on here somewhere as well, I guess. Did we talk about, did we do that? No, but I've seen it. Oh, right. Oh, oh. So here we have The Living Daylights at the bottom. Oof. Thumb the Ball above that. For Your Eyes Only above that. Die Another Day above that. And then above all of those, Casino Royale. I, I would take it over those films. Wow. Uh, but I'm still only giving it a four out of ten because it is it is terrible. Um, But, you know, I, I just think James Bond's pretty terrible overall at this point so uh, that's where we're at hmm well will that all change with the next film it's
1: like if I mean if it, if it doesn't it then uh, th- I mean this has been a ho- hopeless venture this entire these last few <laughs> years <laughs> making you watch all these films if you don't at least like Casino Royale which is it's his
0: last hope <laughs> uh, I know but we'll see but I might like Casino Royale. I might. I know. I'm really. Uh, oh God. Mm. I'm just hoping. I'm, I'm. I mean. You know. I. I. I hope I do. I'm not. I'm not going to go into it with a. Um, a negative Nancy <laughs> hat on. I, I'd like to like James Bond. It would be He's nice gonna be to be a positive uh, Percy. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I think the listeners would appreciate it if. Uh, you know, it's a good story arc for this podcast, isn't it? I, I come round on James Bond, and at the end, and and then you'll hate the next one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so you know, I, I, we'll see, we'll see what happens next week with, uh, not next week. Uh, wait, is it next week, Alan? When are we going fortnightly? What's happening? So, as mentioned earlier, when we recorded this, we were planning for. Casino Royale 06 to be the following episode. You're now going to have a month's wait, I'm afraid, but if you can't wait for more Bond content from us and Calvin, head to patreon.com forward slash dim returns and sign up for as little as one pound. You can get access to our whole back catalogue of Diminisodes and bonus episodes and other things like that, and to tide you over until our proper Casino Royale episode, one of the diminisodes we'll be releasing in April is the exciting James Bond quiz that myself, Alan, and Calvin played recently. We were basically playing higher or lower, trying to guess which James Bond-related people have the highest Twitter follower counts. It was really good fun, and in case you don't believe me, here is a clip. Madonna. Is she, oh. is she hotter shit than Tom Jones, or colder shit? Highest one we're gonna see. Yep. Yeah.
2: Th- at least three is... million.
0: I'm going eight million. Oofed. You both you're both going higher then. Uh, right? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, I'm going higher. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, that is correct. Uh, Madonna has two point seven million. Oh, okay. That was close. But does she have more or fewer than Sir Paul McCartney? Ooh. <sighs> hey, hey, it's me, <laughs> Paul. <laughs> 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 Hey Madonna, I think you're pretty cool, man.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Marge, for the lovely picture. I hung it on you
2: all. <laughs> we call them chips. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. This is tough because he- uh, is he on there? Does he do stuff on there? I imagine he has people doing it for him.
0: I think I think he's active. I mean, he he released an album. I think at the tail end of last year, it might have actually been this year. So he's still very active in terms of making shit, you know. I, I I'm I'm gonna go higher. I think he might be higher
2: than Madonna. I think that's very possible. I'm gonna go lower. Hmm.
0: Hey, thanks, Calvin, man. That's really <laughs> nice of you. It's <laughs> <laughs> a solid impression. I can't. I can't fault it. <laughs> Uh, uh, Paul McCartney is—he's uh, got almost twice uh, Madonna's. Oh, following wow! Actually, maybe not quite. That's an exaggeration. But he has 4.1 million. Oh, okay. Yeah, no,
1: that's—that's that's an awful lot.
0: Hmm. But has he got more or fewer than the Billie Eilish? Oh. oh.
1: Definitely, Billie Eilish will be, be higher, higher. Yeah.
0: Oh look, Billie Eilish is here as well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is that bez <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're Just singing in the corner. I think, I think Billie Eilish no, time to t- only uh, exists on Twitter, uh, and she's like a fake, <laughs> a fake person. It's like a concept. Film with Al Pacino, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like
0: gorillas. She's just
2: a sort of computer-generated thing, isn't she? Uh, I think she's gonna have eighty million followers. Yeah, I <laughs> but I, think... I have no context for that. What did what did Justin Timberlake have? <laughs> <laughs> it was Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> okay.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh, <fucking hell. laughs>
0: Look right, so you both you're both going higher. Uh, yeah? No, I think
2: she. No, I don't think anyone outside of Britain's even heard of her. So I think I don't be that high. But um, has she got any presence in America? I don't. It doesn't feel like she would. have. <laughs> <Billie> <laughs> Irish, <laughs> you know. Are you joking? Or? I don't know. I don't know. Am I joking? Would it be better if I was? I have no idea. <laughs>
0: Well, she, she she's she's American and therefore <laughs> probably she? has a bigger presence there than anywhere else. Hang on, Billy, Alley, she's American. I genuinely thought she was British. No, she's she's American. Have already. you
3: ever heard
2: her speak? No.
0: Oh. Oh, okay. Have you ever heard the theme "No Time to Die"?
2: No. No time to die. I gen, I genuinely thought she was British. She looks. I've only seen her, and she looks like a kind of dirty chav British council state's <laughs> gone. I think I just assumed. Well, yeah, but she that. Was British.
0: But they're just replicating the kind of. They're doing a the Bond stuff.
2: I, ge- I genuinely thought she was British. I didn't. That was not a joke at all.
0: Hmm. Well, yeah, it's not funny if it is. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm, going, I'm going higher. Yeah,
1: uh, I will definitely go higher. It just amused me. <laughs> Alan thought she might be this sort of like you know not-known-out-of-the-UK sort of little artist. I I think she's going to have the highest of them all. I think she's probably going to have 10 million plus, something like that. I
0: I was actually really, really surprised at how low her uh, follower count is, to say how much of a huge name she is now. Uh, but higher is correct. Uh, Paul McCartney has 4.1 million. Billie Eilish has 5.1 million. Oh, that's which is hmm, yeah. really not a lot for someone like Billie Eilish, really. But you know, mm. I guess it's down to how much she posts on there. I
2: think the kids have moved on from Twitter. Twitter is so 2017. Well, that is true. That she's is long, very true. She's moved yeah. on. She, yeah. She's too young for it.
0: They're all on parler. <laughs> <laughs> parler. It's French. <laughs> Billie Eilish or John Cleese. Ooh. Ooh, tantalising. Okay, so patreon.com forward slash Tim returns. Head over there for more stuff. And here's the rest of the episode. Uh, you idiot. You fell for this <laughs> April Fool's. You moron. <laughs> um, but do come back next week when we'll be doing... Uh, and then after that, it's going to be bi-weekly. Ooh, not bi weekly, fortnightly. I mean, it is technically bi weekly, but bi weekly is one of those annoying words that means two very different things. <laughs> like, um, like how this film annoyed me. I, th- I think it was this film. They is it this film where they talk about a one way mirror? Yeah, I was like, hang on, it's a two way mirror, isn't it? <laughs> and I looked up and it's like, both are acceptable. Oh, just call it a fucking see through mirror. Like, don't why? <laughs> why call it a one way and a two way mirror if they both mean the same thing? It's obviously a meaningless phrase if both of those things mean the same when they mean, you know, the words themselves have. Inflammable means flammable? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What a country. (laughs) Is that it?
2: I think
1: so. Thanks, guys, for watching this. I'm actually quite... Um, I never thought we'd do this, you know. I thought we'd maybe look at Never Say Never Again. I, I thought this one might take some convincing, so I was uh, very pleased that it worked out nicely with this uh, April Fool's Day uh, tie-in.
0: Yeah, I'm mm. glad to tick it off, finally. Mm. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to finally move into the Craig era. For, mm. for anyone listening who isn't aware, I have never seen a Daniel Craig, James Bond film before. Mm. Uh, i would say at this point at this point i think casino royale is probably the biggest blind spot in my film viewing knowledge and history out of anything Um, because i I, it can't be well i ticked (laughs) off all the obvious ones last year with during the pandemic i i've you know i've seen everything on imdb's top 250 i've i've seen name a film I've probably seen it if it's culturally significant. Mm. Uh, I think this is the last Tarar. I've seen all the obvious stuff. Oh, it's either this or the Italian job, and I think Casino Royale is probably a bigger deal than the Italian job. I disagree with that. Really?
1: Yeah.
0: As in the original Italian
1: job? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> no, the Ed
0: Norton one is really uh, <laughs> <laughs> culturally significant.
1: Well, Saul likes him.
0: I don't know. I mean, I I can't I genuinely I can't think. I mean, Calvin, you you'd probably agree Casino Royale more culturally a big deal than the, Italian job, right? No, James Bond oh, I would is more say so. culturally significant. But I don't know about Casino Royale. No, I, th- I think I think it even is. if you were if... modern day James Bond, though, isn't it? Like, like Casino Royale is. I
2: think if you were to say to people, "Hey, James Bond, name three James Bond films," that wouldn't be on most people's list.
0: Oh no, it hundred percent would be. I think it would be. Yeah, yeah I think you're the average person in the street would go straight to the Daniel Craig ones. No, no. W- when you when you get that, you're either going to get people who talk about like, oh, they'll just go, uh, the famous names, Diamonds Are Forever. Goldfinger uh, Goldfinger, yeah and and you're going to get people who actually watch them and they'll go, oh yeah, Casino Royale Skyfall
2: no. Skyfall
0: <laughs> Well, I, I think it I, I think Casino Royale is the most significant uh, film that I have yet to watch That's, yeah, that's interesting So it's a big moment for me as a film goer, a film fan
1: Oh, I'm really looking forward to it now
0: Casino Royale
1: Yeah, the real one Not the 1950s uh, Barry Nelson TV uh, anthology film. But maybe we'll get to that one day.
0: No, we should do another April Fool's and do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Then we'll have no listeners.
0: You idiot. You fell for it. You moron. That's it.
1: (laughs) See you next week.